You are listening to Sermon Snippets with Max Taylor, where we exposit God's Word and apply its instruction to our everyday lives. As we study God's Word, we are learning truth that corrects our thinking, meets our needs, and teaches us more about Christ. Here's your host, Max Taylor. If you know anything about me, you know that I love the study of history, especially where biblical prophecy meets the study of Christian history, history from a Christian's perspective. And today we're going to look at some history and where it connects and collides with the Bible, particularly from the book of Daniel. We are looking at five incumbents, and that's really the title of this section that we're in, all of chapter 7. And there's some things that we're going to skip over here in chapter 7 because we're going to come back to it in chapter 8 in a slightly different perspective, looking at it from more of a Jewish perspective. But today, more of just from a secular Gentile perspective, we're looking at the five major Gentile empires that come and go on the stage of human history. And this is some pretty spectacular revelation from God given to Daniel. So if you have your Bible, we are in Daniel chapter 7, starting in verse 15, and we're going to start with Daniel's reaction from this vision and then get into the interpretation where it's it's clarified and the meaning of the vision is explained. So in verse 15, it says, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me to know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. And so last week we looked at the description of these four empires. And we know now that there are these four kings particularly. And so I'm just going to give a rundown again historically of what this vision kind of uh, encompasses in terms of human history. So first we had the lion with eagle's wings described as the majestic Babylonian empire. Babylon was one of the, perhaps one of the purest forms of an empire or um, a kingdom led by a single person. And that was Nebuchadnezzar is the most famous uh, leader, of course, before him was Nabonidus. And uh, it grew in its splendor and its glory until it reached its peak under Nebuchadnezzar. And that's the time when Babylon was allowed to conquer Israel. God used them. God raised them up and used them to conquer Jerusalem. And they took all of the wealth out of Israel, all the wealth that had been there since Solomon's time. Um, they took that out. And that's really part of what glorified the Babylonian Empire was the wealth of all the conquered, captured people. Um, and they grew to be a sizable empire. Now, they were not, by any stretch of the imagination, the largest empire. Um, really, in the grand scheme of things, they were kind of a smaller empire. Babylon is modern-day Iraq. And so it, it wasn't much bigger than um, Iraq, you know, spreading up towards Turkey and then all the way over to the Mediterranean Sea at its uh, biggest extent when it conquered Israel. Um, and it spread a little over into the, the territory of modern-day Iran. Um, but it wasn't the biggest empire. 
It was more known for its glory, for its hanging gardens, for its beautiful architecture, for its building projects, the Ishtar Gate leading into Babylon, the huge processional way, um, everything layered in gold. Um, the color blue was used extensively. If you go to museums, you'll see replicas and uh, paintings of what Babylon would have looked like with all their, you know, picturesque like lions and the different animals painted on all of their really bright colored bricks that really made up all of their structures. Really pretty um, impressive, pretty uh, bright and brilliant to look at. But that was the Babylonian Empire. And of course, we've already seen in the book of Daniel, this is the the empire that Daniel himself was familiar with. He was taken captive into. He would have seen the Ishtar Gate. Actually, that's probably where he sat and ruled with, Nebi, with uh, yeah, Nebuchadnezzar under his reign. And anyways, we saw as his successors came to power, how they just got really worse and worse and how Darius was bragging in his party, in his feast um, to his gods, to the gods of the Babylonians, these pagan idols. And he brought out the cups that were taken from the temple as part of this drunken feast. And that very night, Babylon was captured, was conquered by the Persians. Now the Persians is a totally different kingdom. Instead of being represented as a lion with eagle's wings that's given a man's heart that stands up on two legs, a very sophisticated, a very, you know, ornate kingdom, Persia is a bear with ribs between its teeth, devouring. And it symbolized one thing, and that is strength. Now, Persia, you could say, was not as pure of a one-person-led empire as Babylon was. It was a little less... Um, dictatorial than that. Persia actually put the king under the law, and we saw that actually in the book of Daniel as well, where the law of the Medes and the Persians could not be altered even by the king, so he was actually under the law. Now, they stressed strength, and you can read in history the Persian Empire, in their battles, they fielded one million one and a half million, even two and a half million soldiers in a conflict. That is a massive force of people. Two and a half million men. Uh, it's described that when this army, this, that particular army, was led by Xerxes marching against Greece, and that march of the two and a half million soldiers, troops on foot was described as more of a migration than an army. That's how many people were in that army. So Persia was a huge, absolutely huge, just conquering machine. Their, their specialty was war, conquering other people. Um, they did that very well. Obviously, they overthrew Babylon and they grew to be a very big empire. So Persia was huge. And then we come to the leopard. Now, leopards are not as big as bears, but this leopard is described as having four wings and four heads. Okay, And, and the leopard just symbolizes speed. And that's Greece. And boy, we could talk about Greece for a long time. Greece is a particularly fascinating empire on the stage of world history. 
what you had was Philip II of Macedon, who was from a small area, Macedonia. He was kind of a revolutionary. He was a brilliant uh, military leader, and he led uh, his small troop in Macedonia area um, in some skirmishes against Greece and stuff, but he never really united Greece. He was a leader, brilliant military man, but it wasn't until his son started growing up, started learning the art of war, that Greece was actually united. And there was a lot of struggles along the way. Um, One of the first true testing points was when his son, Alexander the Great, the son of Philip II, went against Sparta. That's the Spartans, you know, the ancient group of people who are famous for being just savage fighters. And uh, Alexander the Great took them on. He um, conquered them. He conquered um, the Athenians, um, which those were two of the, you know, warring powers in Greece going way back. So he actually conquered both groups. Um, he began trying to unite the whole uh, country of Greece. And again, he was just from the small little kingdom of Macedonia. But he conquered these cities one by one all throughout Greece with such speed. At one point, he was even um, exiled, I believe, but then he came back. And um, after that whole incident, he just basically took over all of Greece. He consolidated all the power. Um, One of the last encounters um, that was a major uh, military, um, basically, testing point was when he went up against uh, Corinth and he also went up against, um, trying to remember, uh, I think it was Thebes. Um, and he, he basically, with that, he took over all of Greece and then he turned his, his military fighting machine, his little roughshod group of men on the whole world. And basically they just He unleashed his fighting force on the world. He literally went all the way down through the Middle East. He went down to Egypt. Um, If we've heard of the city of Alexandria in Egypt, yeah, that was named after Alexander the Great. Then he went over through Assyria, through Babylon, and then he was met by Persia. Remember the two and a half million man army? Well, at this point, the army had dwindled a little bit, but it was... It was about the size of one to one and a half million men that Alexander went up against. And his fighting force was much smaller. But because of his speed, and we'll talk about this again. We'll talk about this in the next chapter. But because of his speed, he soundly defeated the Persian army. And he took over Persia, but he didn't stop there. He continued more and more into the Middle East, across the Zagros Mountains, And he went into India and he continued fighting until he died in his 30s. What an interesting character. If you want to study a very fascinating individual in history, um, Alexander the Great is fascinating. So anyways, that's Greece, described as a leopard with great speed. And it takes over that bear who is devouring with its huge army, takes over Persia. Then we come to the fourth beast. And we'll just read because this 
beast, this kingdom is given the longest explanation. I know we won't finish it today, but it's given a long explanation. So we'll just continue reading here in chapter 7. So it says, we read in verse 17, it says, These great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which shall arise out of the earth. Now notice the phrase, out of the earth, because the title of this episode is the five incumbents, the five rulers, the five major kingdom builders. And he says that there's four that come out of the earth. Verse 18 says, But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. And we'll come back to that verse. Um, But then he says, Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, and his nails of brass, which devoured and break in pieces and stomped the residue with his feet. So Daniel is still inquiring. He says, I want to know about this fourth beast, and that is Rome. And we'll come back to the shocking, uh, dreadful kingdom empire that was Rome next week. And we'll talk about it in more detail where we have a little bit more time. But take heart because verse 18 is for us. And the point of this whole chapter for the believer is that present history will end. And it's going to end in basically wars, natural disasters, and it's going to go up in flames, which is basically what we're beginning to see now. But we, the people who align themselves with God, the Christians, the followers of Christ, will possess the kingdom of Christ forever and ever and ever. It repeats it three times. Ever and ever and ever. So we can look forward to Christ's return to set up the true final kingdom. We can look forward to the rapture when Christ returns and he could return today. Wouldn't that just be incredible? Thank you for listening to Sermon Snippets. If this Bible study is a help to you, Consider downloading the weekly episodes or sharing this podcast with a friend. Until next time, remember that God's Word is perfect, and it's everything you need to live for Him.